Well, hello and welcome to what is the 163rd episode of the A&F podcast with me, Al Coates, and him. Scott Casson, really? Nearly and did it again, it. didn't you? Nearly did Nearly it again. did what? Did what? The uh, uh, A&F podcast. We've rebranded. Al, Al doesn't get rebranding, you see, so, you know. He's... I can start again if you want. No, it's fine. Leave it right, in. Okay. Well, we've also got someone else in the room today. We've got uh, Emily Fifth. Uh, em- <laughs> Emily the Fifth. <laughs> Sound like the King fifth. Charles the <laughs> Third. It's been a long week. Um, I've been in too many Zoom meetings with you. We've got Emily Frith, the CEO of Adoption UK. So, hello, Emily. Hello. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. Well, well thank you for coming on because not yeah. not everyone wants to. You know, it's probably like a. Is it part of your job description? The thing you have to do. Yeah, yeah, it's written written in in the five print. <laughs> yeah, whether you like it or not, you have to come. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, if you're okay to bear with us for a couple of minutes, we're going to do a little bit of an update because we were in a meeting today and I think it's probably worthwhile us giving a little update. We were at the Department for Education, weren't we, Scott? Not physically. We were... I mean, we weren't actually in the Department for Education. Or, we were on a webinar thingy mobile with the Department for... I'm just being specific with us because... Okay, you know, then... I'm not sure that level of detail is that important. Well, I think it is. To be honest, I think it is. Right, Right. okay. This is great. This is podcast gold, this, isn't it? Amazing stuff, this, yeah. Anyway, we we were were at an online meeting with the DFE. That's what you should have said, but, you know, whatever. Right, okay. Well, in this this spirit of criticism and and complaint... we were there, which is which is every four months we go there, and it kind of brings together a whole range of different people from adoption, um, specifically adopters, but from a different you know different regions, different experiences, different stages in the process. And uh, we go up to the DFE and we discuss issues that they have raised and issues that we want to talk about, like having liaised and communicated with the community. So, Scott, what were we talking about today? Um, so today, so just to re- rewind back, another error you made there, it's every three months, not every four months. <laughs> just, I mean, these details are really important. And you've clearly had a very long week because you're not normally as bad for details as you are tonight. So what did we but talk about today? I, I think I'd have gotten away with it if you hadn't mentioned, to be honest with you. I think, I think yeah, just get on with it, man. Honestly. Oh, dear. Do you know what? I've had, I have had one of those days today that's just made me a little bit too pedantic. <laughs> It does not bode well for me. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You're doesn't. fine, Emily. It's just everybody else that gives them away today. Um, so what was today? What was today? I'm just trying to think. So we did. We did talked about contact, contact the umbrella yes. contact thing term that we don't like. Um, and we really went into quite a lot of detail about that, actually, because we broke it down into the letterbox system, direct contact, social media contact, um, sibling contact. So we were talking about all these kind of bits that are, are covered under contact. Um, I'm trying to think what the first... the um, we talked about the um, disruption um, uh, report that's um, being looked at at the moment. Yeah, it's um, doing the rounds, isn't it? Doing the rounds, yeah. And um, we talked about that. What was interesting about that really was that the, the DFE and the RAs are are actively looking at the report and actively kind of yeah. thinking, wow, okay. Um, because we know Julie Selwyn did her research back in 2015, was it 2014, I think? 14, I yeah. Remember. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and you know what? That's still that. That is the last time that we've really kind of focused in on that in terms of um, research and stuff. And I think that 
it needs to come up again because actually I think families are braver now. I think that perhaps the figures are maybe a little bit changed yeah. around a little bit. I mean, they will have done anyway, but I'm, I'm thinking, you know, back when Julie Selwyn did a report, it was, everybody was too scared to say how things really were. Well, not, not everybody, but some people would but have been too frightened. It was pre-ASF, pre-the yeah. um, whole... Regionalisation, pre... Martinary adoptions yeah, are all exactly. that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. really interesting. Um, yeah. And I think it's probably good to flag up that on Wednesday next week, that which will be the third of May, we're going to have um, the author or the the editor of that report to come on, mm -hmm. yeah. um, and she's going to. We're going to do a webinar on Wednesday night, eight o'clock, um, we and we're going to do. We've got some other things to do across that because I think it's a really important conversation. I mean, in some ways, I'm. I feel like it's a bit of a sensitive topic having Adoption UK in the room. Um, because of the the bad experience of yeah. of actually speaking out and how <clears throat> how that was received, um, but anyway, we'll not open that can of worms. No, that's not. No, Let's not open that can of worms. Not tonight. Not tonight. Um, so that's just as I like to get sent the report that you, that you're doing the webinar on, and I thought it was really really powerful um, mm. and really interesting how much the the experiences in the report was similar to the research that Judy Selwyn did, and mm. and a little bit of well, things haven't changed, um, despite yeah. things like the ASF. And it was, yeah. yeah, I think it's really, really impactful. And it's really mm -hmm. good to hear that REAs and others are taking it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it feels like a really, it's sort of just caught a moment and it's really rolling. And I know that it's getting into re some really interesting corners, which maybe we'll find out a bit more about next week and what hopefully the, the next steps are. But so it was a really good meeting. Um, but let's not dwell on that because we've got such a, an interesting guest. Let's use up our time yeah. wisely. Yeah. yeah. So, and I was thinking as well, like, I, I wanted to say new CEO, but you're not new anymore, are you? You've been there. I'm going like... to claim I'm new for several years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. New. New. <laughs> been here about six months since October. Yeah. So, it's taken us this long to get you on. But I, I mean, we, we always give you a couple of weeks to settle in before we contact Jack and say, right, Jack. <laughs> um, but it's interesting because we've we've had last, this is, you know, the third CEO we've had on since podcast. Um, so, we had Hugh on, we've had Sue on a couple of times. We've had Hugh on a couple of times as well. So, this is your first time. So, we'll treat you gently for your first time, I'm sure. Um, but you're also the first one that's not been my boss. So, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I have to say that the the only sad thing is that you. Know, well, I think we had this conversation um, that it, if it had been you, Sue, and Emmy Lou, that would have been wonderful. But it's Emily, so you know. You are not allowed to rename me. Right, we're not going to rename. We're not going to rename you because we've tried that in the past and it works out really badly. Yeah, it does. Yeah, um, yeah. So it doesn't. It I, doesn't work. It doesn't stick either. It doesn't. You know. It no, it doesn't yeah, stick. It doesn't stick. And yeah. um, so I guess even can I start a little bit before and kind of can you explain to me a little bit your your background and history and kind of what led you to the front door of adoption UK? Yeah, absolutely. So um, most recently before um, this role, I was working for the Children's Commissioner of England. Um, so for those of your listeners who don't know what that is, um, it's basically the, the commissioner is the voice of children um, across England. So she has a particular remit around children in social care. Um, so I used to run our helpline, um, Help at Hand, which was um, an advocacy service for children in care. So much broader remit looking at children with mental health issues, children who care, children's voice. Um, and then before that, I did a lot of work in young people's mental health and then mental health generally and previously worked for a sort of social care charity looking at adult social care. And I guess the thing that I find most uh that I get angry about most is 
children, young people, but also adults not getting the, the help that they need, and particularly because they don't fit in particular boxes. So, like, you know, the NHS does what it says on the tin, but if you've got sort of social care needs, often that that that's where you sort of you don't get the right help. And so Adoption UK appealed to me because you know it's all about campaigning for adopted people to get support um and i i was looking for an organization where there was a sort of campaigning element and um, because that's my background I've, I've kind of come from a sort of policy and comms background but also a direct services element too so i wanted that combination um so yeah adoption uk just seemed like the perfect perfect place to come and, and try and sort of have an impact well thank you and um, i guess my follow-up question to that is um I'm really conscious that adoption is in a really, a very peculiar place. It's it's had its day in the sun very much so, and it feels like the the the, the sun is sort of shining in different places now. And so, what? I mean, it's maybe a big question, but is it odds picking up a charity after kind of after a sort of a decade of real focusing on adoption? And was that part of your thinking? Thinking, well, where? Where, where are we at with adoption and why Adoption UK now? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really interesting time to join. Um, you know, I think there hasn't been enough focus in the past on things like kinship care mm. um, and also keeping families together and more support first of families um, before, you know, when the social care first gets involved. And, and I absolutely agree with that direction of travel. I think it's important. Yeah, but I yeah. also think that we don't want to throw we don't want to um lose the the sort of the breadth of focus on social care so i think like we need to think about children with care experience that, like in the round rather than trying to always think about the legal ways that we've kind of parcel people up and i'm i'm mm. really keen to work with the whole care sector and with care experience people to to think about this as a whole and 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 all push for change rather than sort of thinking well we need our sort of bit of the pie Does that makes yeah. sense yeah. So Scott and I are probably going to fight over uh, opportunities to ask you questions. So Scott, you feel you'll have to butt in if you want to get past me. What's <laughs> um, so what was your pitch to Adoption UK? Because I would imagine they'll have said, well, 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 they'll have said, right, why do you want the job and what are you going to do with Adoption UK? Or can I ask you what, what, if you can give your answer or a version of your answer? I'm not asking that. A version not, of it, yeah. That's, this that's isn't like a public <laughs> interview. You know, it's not like... <laughs> The people's choice. Yeah. Um, I guess I, I wanted to sort of point out my history of how, like sort of policy impact. So I used to work on children's mental health, and I think I, th I can um, sort of demonstrate that I've had an impact on policy. One of the things I once did was a uh, ran a campaign called Equality for Mental Health, which was about trying to get the um, government at the time to invest in mental health. And so we had loads of celebrities sign up to a big campaign as sort of Ruby Wax and um, Alan Rickman and Mumford and Sons and huge numbers of celebrities, the Archbishop of Canterbury, and, and we all um, put together a big campaign, got the news, and and in the um, autumn statement that year, the Chancellor announced six hundred million for mental health. So I kind of pointed, you know, I was highlighting some of my mm. like greatest hits, um, yeah. that kind of thing, and you know what I said before about why why I was interested um, to try and kind of make a difference both to the kind of operational stuff which I'd done before in working on helpline um, and uh, policy and campaigning work so I was kind of putting out like why I was interested um, and then in terms of what I want to do with Adoption UK we did talk about and I'm sure you, you're going to want to ask me about this we talk, did talk about what more we could do with it for adopted people 
Um, so I think the board are, are really interested in that anyway. Adoption UK have been kind of moving in that direction anyway. And it was something I was really interested in. In particular, I'm interested in children's voice. Um, so kind of the child's perspective on adoption. Um, and kind of I think the board in particular and, and everyone else at Adoption UK is really interested in, in sort of the voice of adopted adults as well and adult adoptees but um i i guess i've got a particular interest in in kind of listening to children's voices and how you do that well mm. and you. i mean it, it it's um do you, i i guess my question is is and i'm thinking about some of the stuff that we see publicly about you know adopted adults um and what have you is that within your lane as in Adoption UK's lane, mm-hmm. or it, I, I'm, I'm asking this quite cheekily because when, obviously when I worked at Adoption UK, we started to look at things like that, but not in any great detail. And certainly, you know, we didn't have the funds to be able to do that back then because that was pre-Tessa and all that sort of stuff. Is it, is it, you know, is that something that is within Adoption UK's lane or is it something that is kind of tentatively, you know, oh, well, let's... Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, is it something yeah. that we should maybe dabble in and see what happens? Or is it, you know, is it, you know, is it something that comes with a lot of kind of pre-warning about how it works and all that sort of stuff? Or is it just like, let's crack on and do it? I think it's a really interesting question. I think people have quite strong views on that. Mm. Um, so I guess Adoption UK has always been for adopted people. It's just the focus has been through the lens of adopters like when it was set up it was adopters who were saying we recognize that our children are not getting the right support um, and we don't think everyone else recognizes that we want to get together and support each other and campaign on that so that's always been kind of the history I think probably in the last few years maybe five years or so um, I think starting in Wales we've started to do work with adopted children and young people um, and I think partly because I've you know talked to some of our directors across across the nations and and it's come from sort of as the children who have been supported by the charity have grown up and become teenagers and young people they've said well we want something for us like we want to be um, having peer support groups for adopted young people so we sort of started that in Wales I think first of all and then now we've got services in Scotland Northern Ireland and um, starting in England as well um, to to get. That, that kind of direct support so it's not filtered through parents it's for young people by young people and co-produced with young people um, and then so that had already started and then I think over the last couple of years there's been more of a focus on thinking okay what next what what can we do for adopted adult adoptees or adopted people when they're over 18 um, and so I think it was around the time that I started just after I started but we launched a membership for adopted people. Um, so that's a really, really new thing and something that was sort of growing. And we're also establishing an advisory group of adopted people um, because I think it's really important to to do things with adopted people and, and centre the voices of adopted people. Um, so that's something we are really focused on at the moment. The barometer, I think, for the last few years now has, has had sort of a survey both of adopters and adopted people over 18. Um, that's been growing um, and some of our research now as well. Um, so we, we did a report about cost of living this year and it looked at the, co- to, co- the impact of cost of living on prospective adopters, on families mm-hmm. who have adopted and adopted people. And, and trying to look at adoption from lots of different angles. Mm. Um, and we want to increase the number of adopted people who work at AUK um, who are, and who are on the board of AUK as well. So we're, we're sort of trying to make sure that um, we're called Adoption UK. Um, I think we, we feel that 
that needs to mean that we're looking at adoption from lots of perspectives and and, mm. and it's not just the perspective of adopters i think we're mm. on a journey um you know we're not we're not there yet and partly we want to have an advisory group so that we can be shaping that journey and that can get us to a place where we're we're more centering the voices of adopted people mm. yeah can i ask because as you're as i'm listening to you um Loving, you know, totally agree with what you're saying, but what I'm really conscious of is your language. And I can see that you're, I can almost see you very consciously flitting between adopted people and uh, adult adoptees. And, um, yeah. and I'm just conscious that that sort of reflects perhaps a, an environment that you've, that I've not seen around Adoption UK before, which is, I think maybe up until 18 months ago, that there was, a, it was a kind of a, I'll just get on with it. You know, just no one's particularly worried, but it feels like it's become a much more, um, I'm choosing my, I'm choosing my words carefully because I, I don't want, I think it's easy to characterize it as kind of, oh, people are trolling you and that's, but I think there's a, there's a much more nuance around that. There's a lot of people who are not happy with adoption. You, oh, there's a lot of ado adult adoptees not happy with the language of adult adopted people. And I think there's some adapted, some vice versa. I think that, so, so is that, become quite a consuming sort of element of your work and how you reach out to people to adult adoptees and offer them something that they seem to not necessarily want or some do and some don't is that just made it does it feel really complicated I think language is really important isn't it and I think that yeah. there's a lot of nuance and complexity about language I think it's not just a, a, or like a, a broad now because like you know things like um the contact is a really loaded word isn't it and people yeah, talk yeah. about like better ways of of describing yeah. it um and i think i you know i know that there are groups of adult adoptees who are very strongly the view that um they should be described as adult adoptees and it, their experience of course if that's what they want to be called i will say adult adoptees but there are also people i've spoken to who, who would like to be called adopted people um, and so i i when you're talking more generically about a whole group of people i'd like to try and flip between the two because that way i feel like i'm i'm yeah. not excluding a group who who don't prefer that terminology it's a trick yeah. it's a tricky one because you like people feel strongly about it and and quite rightly because it, you know mm. they're being described yeah and it, it feels sorry scott no no i was just going to say i think that you know we um, i mean we've been going seven years this year i think no. um, and, and in the start it was just me and al baron banging on about you know how life was and stuff like that and as we started to get into the adoptee conversations and start to listen to people actually who have the the experience of being adopted i think that's when we start to realize that language is very important um and like you say <laughs> you're damned if you do damned if you don't sometimes because how you refer to one person isn't necessarily how you know 30 percent of that group feel so it's, it's, it is a very hard one but I think you're right. Language is very important, and we just, you know, it's it's like anything, isn't it? When you're trying, when you're trying to change something, you have to use the language that you're going to change with. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. Uh, so has that made it much more? Uh, and because I occasionally, you know, I follow you on Facebook, follow you on Twitter, and I see that oftentimes, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that people are. The, the the comment sections become quite competitive over what feel like fairly benign posts, um. But then I'm seeing what we noticed when we observed this. We put a few posts out about, hey, we've got Emily Frith coming on, um, and there was no comments. 
And that is not, that is unusual, even in sort of quite what sort of safe corners of the internet. And we just thought, actually, is this shutting down conversation? Um, and is that that people who may would normally put a comment in and think, oh, I don't want to get into that. I don't want to sort of step into that, you know, bull ring, uh, for the want of a better phrase. Um, it just feels like a really diff- quite a difficult environment for you to get your messages messaging out. I think social media is a really difficult environment generally at the moment, and and not just in the world of adoption, but definitely yeah. in the world of adoption. Cheers, Elon Musk. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of my Twitter feed now, not in the adoption world, just in general, is is quite vitriolic. Like, yeah. and I think what the trouble with social media is that there's n- that it's not good at nuance, and adoption is full of nuance and complexity and different perspectives and different opinions so it's hard to have a a sensible debate on social media but but also i think one of the positive things about social media is that voices that haven't always been heard have been heard more so i've seen over the years working at children's commissioner there's a lot more voices of care experienced people generally um and and people you know when things aren't right in the world and you know there isn't enough support for adoptive people out there then if people are rightly angry about that kind of thing um, and we're called adoption uk so if you're not if you don't really agree with adoption generally then and you have an organ- organization called adoption uk then you yeah. know um, that's going to create a sort of target potentially but also uh, you know i, I recognize that you know we don't always get that everything right either and i think we want to be an organization that listens and and mm makes changes based on what we hear yeah um so um obviously you've been settling in but there's day-to-day things to be doing as well so barometer is coming out soon is that right yes yeah really soon um in may um and uh yeah really excited about um it's the fifth year of the barometer and um what what it's doing is kind of looking back at um you know over the last five years trying to think about what's changed what stayed the same so um and you know there's a big section in there about what what adopted people think as well adult adoptees um so yeah looking forward to that any sneak peeks no couldn't possibly but um i think you had becky brooks on last time didn't you to talk about it so hopefully um becky will want to come back and and um you know Go through yeah, all the findings. We we're always conscious that on, in the run up to the report being released, she's busy typing away or doing whatever it is she, in her little Cranking dungeon somewhere. Yeah. And then when it's released, she's here, there, and everywhere. So we normally leave her until it's released. And then the first week at least has passed before we say, You coming on, love? Because. <laughs> Um, and we always have great bands with, uh, with Becky. So it's, um, it's a win win. Um, it's such a big report isn't it there's just so yeah. much in there and, and it's so many different aspects of adoption as well so i think you do need like an hour-long podcast to really go through mm. through it all. absolutely yeah. yeah 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 we need to speak to the person that sends out the invites to the launch as well don't we al scott's got a, a yeah. harboring a very we'll, bitter we'll, grudge we'll talk about that once we've finished recording with you emily because okay. you know Mr. Coates got an invite. More Mr. Cass- Mr. Cass and Rennie <laughs> didn't get an invite, so you're not very happy about that. As as podcasters that need to know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Crikey, it's turned into a. Yeah, this is not how it was meant to go down. I'm sorry, sorry, Emily. Um, but there's lots of other good things going on with the day job. So um, one of the things that's really nice is that post-COVID, we're now being able to bring back a lot more face-to-face events for our members and mm. adopters. So, um, yeah, bring, 
things like theme parks and um, family yeah. days and camps and things like that. So I think that's really, really nice to to be able to yeah. to do that kind of. But thing. I think yeah. I think as well. I mean, it's great because uh, I I do see them. You know, especially because I know Claire quite well, and um, you know, I see that she's, she's still amazing. busy organising everything and everybody. Um, and but what I th- what I thought was because um, I think she posted a couple of weeks ago. Because obviously Al and I did some webinars during the lockdowns as well for for um, Adoption UK when it was all online, and what's I think interesting is the number of webinars that you've actually gone ahead and done as as Adoption UK before your time. I know, but I just hope that that will continue. Is that is that a plan to, yeah, to keep absolutely. some stuff I think online? We've got over two hundred and fifty webinars now for our members, mm-hmm. so it's you know it's almost like so much information. So I'm thinking about ways that we can make it easier for people to navigate and, and find the information. But there's, you know, fantastic webinars from experts like Al Coates on there. Um, <laughs> um, you know, lo- lots of different aspects of... Um, of I did uh, one as well, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I just said that to you. And you did it so well. Poor face and everything. Straight face and everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but lots of adopt- and there's um, there's webinars now for quite a lot of adopted people as well from different perspectives. So Dilly um, uh, Carter, who's one of our new ambassadors, done, done a webinar. Um, yeah, uh, we've got lots of information about FASD, which um, Scott, you'd be really mm. interested in. I'm, I'm sure. So yeah, absolutely want to keep the the online stuff going because, yeah. especially you know, we're Adoption UK and people are based all over the country, so not everyone mm. can come to to face to face events. Mm. So yeah, kind of have horses for courses really things that work yeah i think it's really interesting because I, I i mean this is a historical thing for me but way back when when we were like how do you do stuff online you know and then all of a sudden yeah. covid comes and everything goes online and it's like okay and then that's how you do it because <laughs> i i have to say that that was that was an impressive kind of you know change that adoption uk did i think we did speak to sue about it at the time or just after it but it was certainly a massive thing so it's great to hear that mm. you know that's 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 still going to continue because I think that that was one of the biggest complaints really that I used to hear all the time was about you know being to, able to access things through the membership that they couldn't get face to face so it's, it's brilliant absolutely fantastic yeah I yeah, think it really actually... works for things like di- diverse groups as well so we've got sort of yeah. uh, groups for single adopters or um, adopters from diverse backgrounds Muslim adopters LGBTQ and yeah. um, so you know where people might not know somebody who lives locally to them um, who has that kind yeah. of particular shared characteristic? Now they can have groups online. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely, that's working yeah. really well. Yeah, they they arranged a, a day out with all the kids in the northeast, and it was all I can see where they went from my window here. So I was like, we I kept my head down because thought if they find out on the fear, they'll all be in for a cup of coffee. <laughs> um, so I'm not I'm not tipping up for that. Um, yeah, but I, I, I think enough that, biscuits. <laughs> not enough biscuits. Um, can I ask then about your lobbying then? Because I think that you sort of said that to strengthen a you know, part of your key skill set. What other, do you have a like a checklist or a top 10 priorities wish list of things that you'd like to see in terms of governmental change or guide in terms of legislation, I guess, at the extreme, but just mm-hmm. policy? Um. Yeah, so... I think that we've got kind of three three main areas that we're sort of interested in in terms of policy. One is adoption support, and that that's really about making sure that adopted people get support throughout their lives. So um, that the right support's in place with a sort of a, a proper assessment of needs right at the beginning of the process, that that's kept under review as well. So it's not just 
um, right at the beginning, and then no one ever looks at something again. That um, mm. and it's it's multidisciplinary, so we get a really good assessment of needs, um, and then that support's actually provided, um, and that that goes on. Um, and so that adopted people in adulthood as well get um, get access to therapy when they need it. So there's that adoption support thread. Um, the second one is education because it comes up time and time again from our adopters that um, that child, schools are just not recognising the impact of early childhood trauma. They don't um, send provision isn't good enough in schools. Um, that behaviour policies are impacting on on whether children can be included in the classroom. So um, that's a big theme for us and, and trying to um, change the way the education system approaches um, care experience children, but obviously our, our experience is adoption. Um, and then the third one is health. So things like access to mental health services and FASD and other neurodevelopmental conditions as well. So um, those are kind of three areas that we're trying to, to have an impact on. And then we're trying to sort of narrow down our kind of asks underneath that. And obviously the barometer is a really big way in which we try and influence policy. So there's a kind mm. of the key, the key um, recommendations in that. Um, so contact being one of them or um you know maintaining good links with with um family um and, and wanting better support for everyone involved in contact is is a big thing for us as well mm -hmm. i mean certainly education has always it's always been an issue that's kind of keeps going and keeps going and certain things resolve themselves but education just doesn't seem to be getting any better does it yeah, I think well, the education world is quite politicised at the minute, isn't it? So um, I think there's a, a sort of trend for strict behaviour policies and, and that kind of thing. And sometimes that doesn't um, recognise the need for um, an understanding of trauma. And, and I don't think the sort of evidence, the really strong evidence from things like the UK Trauma Council are, are filtering through enough to, mm. to education at the moment. Yeah. Mm. So you mentioned a few things in it, like adoption support, and I was kind of curious. You mentioned that the, the thing, all the things you mentioned, in some ways, are sort of already met. You know, like the the assessment of need. Um, so, do you have specific, like you said, do you have specific things that you want to see? And are those legislative changes? Because obviously, the we have an assessment of need, which is a statutory requirement, but then we don't have a statutory duty to meet that. Is that? I mean, that's a really big thing isn't it short sentence but a big thing so I, I, have you got these are they really lofty aspirations or have you got kind of are you working with you know government to try and affect just policy how does that work yeah well um you know i think legislation wise that i mean the main thing that's kind of been the big big show in town recently has been the care review um and then obviously the response to the care review which was mildly disappointing shall we say mm. um, um, yeah. so I think you know that and it was it was really disappointing that there wasn't so much of a mention of adoption within that and obviously we had the adoption strategy and that's being implemented and everything but if but if the the focus of policy and intention is is it looking at the whole of social care I think it needs to involve adoption because it needs to be that whole landscape and it can't be like adoption can't be sort of seen as separate to that um, so then obviously trying to make sure that, that the review did um, did think about adoption. And then I think the next big thing will be what happens in the manifestos um, because if they yeah. have a focus on care and adoption, then that will influence what happens with civil servants and, and whichever government 
takes over um because i don't think a huge amount of change will happen between now and the, the election um i mm. used to work in government and and i know that you know the treasury doesn't like to spend any money that mm. you know you can't really get anything done towards the end um and then what will happen afterwards there'll be a spending review and we'll want to see you know the big decisions made there about what's being spent on care what goes into things like the adoption support fund i think it'll be those will be the kind of key things and then potentially there might be a, a new legislation at that at some point there's been some hints around a kinship care strategy there might be a kinship care social care bill and there might be opportunities then to think about what what extra duties what extra um rights can we get into law um mm. one 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 of the things that we've been working on lately is about um statutory maternity pay so for adoption adoption pay so at the moment you can get adoption pay if you are employed but you can't if you're um self-employed yeah so we want to um try and change um the rules that the dwp set out so that that happens as kind of a, a legal right as opposed to what happens at the minute which is that um the councils have funding and um, but it's kind of discretionary and can be means tested so and um, we've been working on on trying to get that change so that that would that's that would be quite a small change in terms of government but a huge change for obviously for self-employed yeah. adopters yeah. yeah and i would guess that the numbers aren't massive in terms of self-employed adopters in comparison to you know other things that would cost a lot of money so this would be quite a, a nice yeah. little thing to you know to be able to level up against it, I think so make through it adoption fair. leave yeah. um, I think in terms of government spending it's not it's not a huge amount of money yeah I maybe shouldn't have used that phrase because that's not <laughs> one that I ever wanted to hear when it came out of somebody's mouth but I guess um, I, I guess that's another advantage to you doing the job that you're doing now because you've got that kind of insider knowledge of how things I mean things change obviously but you know in terms of the essence of how the inside of you know government works when it comes to spending you you then know what to focus on now rather than wasting your time looking at <clears throat> massive big things that are you know when actually the fact that it's not going to happen it's just going to be a waste of your time yeah i think uh, hopefully i can bring that experience to to mm. the adoption world and sort of see if that can i can work with lots of other people in the field who are brilliant and and will want mm. to campaign um and and try and try and get the change we would see yeah because in some ways this is comparable to um you know 2008 2009 when it was clear that there was probably going to be a conservative government coming in after many years of you know a labor government and i know that adoption uk worked really hard to develop relationships with the what they anticipated to be the new incoming government um which is a delicate issue you know it's, it's not you you have you're making judgment calls, but then that then led to a kind of probably a decade of influence. Would you say Scott? A, a decade where Adoption UK was absolutely had its feet, yeah, yeah, well under the table, massively yeah, under the table, yeah, yeah. Whereas to a point now, ten years on, it doesn't feel the same. I I was at a meeting recently, um, the uh, supporting family links meeting, and I thought there's no one from AUK here, and I thought, oh, that's wow. That's weird. So I, I just said I was from a UK. Just no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Give him a hat and a badge. And he's yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, I got my, my a UK pen and waved it. Um, and I just thought that that is, but that's really difficult, isn't it? Because it's just such a different environment to then not arrest that slide, but to 
bring you back to the table. And that feels like a big ask for you as a CEO of a, you know, after a decade of a lot of attention, really. So I do admire you for taking the job, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> well, I think I think it's really important to 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 see care I've said this before but I do think it's important that to see care experience as a continuum and I think as a sector potentially the care the care sector isn't that good at, at kind of lobbying together so I think maybe in the dis- disabled children sector there's lots of different charities that have lots mm. of different sort of angles but they work really closely together to kind of say actually we need more funding for this area generally we need more focus more attention and I think we could potentially do more uh, more of that as as a kind of a you know adoption charities kinship charities and um, charities that work with care, care leavers um yeah because then then we can make the case because actually no matter which sort of legal route of permanence that you've gone through you know early childhood trauma experience of, of having to go away from your birth family or birth parents in, in case mm. of kinship is is traumatic and and yeah. and a lot of the same things are impacting like this the same experiences of education same lack of access to mental health care when it's needed so we, we yeah. could all be campaigning for the same things together so that's that's kind of where i i want to go with our lobbying yeah and i think that you know i mean i'm experiencing that a lot at the moment with um kind of fasd um kind of community um it it harks back to you know i worked for adoption uk 2014 to 2019 um and in the early days it was very kind of it wasn't that nobody was working together it's just they were very fearful of working together because actually what was in it it was a very tough time financially in the adoption sector and, and i mean very very tough um but eventually i think the relationships that were being built and also the, the like Kyle said, you know, the, the kind of influence that Adoption UK were having in the corridors of power really helped to kind of bring these communities together. Um, and I don't think we should underestimate the value of relationships, the relationships that you build to be able to do that. And I think that that's probably one of the most important factors. Is, is, is that your kind of take on it? Yeah, I think so. I think it's, um, I think, it's really important to to build relationships in order to to persuade people to to do what you want them to do. I think you have to be really specific about what you want as well, mm, um, yeah. and quite strategic about it, and not try and do too many things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which a lot of people do. Let's yeah. face it. I was telling Al off yesterday, yesterday for that. Actually, I said you end up with a heart attack, man. The amount of things that you stick your nose—I mean, stick your finger into. Oh, yeah. lots of fingers, lots of pies. Um, can I? <laughs> I mean, I guess that means that you're you're sidling up to Labour politicians, does it? Are you kind of? Are you can't possibly <laughs> you can't ask that. Corridors are powered. <laughs> well, I think it's really important when you when you're trying to um, campaign for something that you you um, you talk to all the all the parties. So we'll be sidling up to all the politicians and and um, and trying to get them to recognise the importance of adoption and. Oh, and, and that then, was a he... great answer, wasn't it? That was a great answer. Oh, man, you're on fire. <laughs> but the thing is, I think it's a great time to be doing that sort of thing as well, because, you've, you, like you said, the care review, um, the, there's a number of um, MPs who are really interested in, in the, the care um, sector, the adoption sector. You know, uh, so there are people who are interested in it. You know, we had Helen Hayes on a couple of months ago. We had the previous minister on, um, who left a week later. Um, yeah, again, um, but these are the people. They, they people think because they're not making the massive changes that you want to see as a 
individual who's living with that, but they've got hundreds and other million prior, uh, priorities. But they they are interested. That's that's my impression from them anyway. They are interested and they do want to try, at least. But it's not just their decision to make some of these changes. Yeah, and I think you know it doesn't help when you've had there's there's been a lot of other big stuff going on, and and mm. that that makes it hard. You know, cost of living and um covid and that kind of thing brexit before that you know there's been a lot of things on the political agenda and that makes it hard Mm. to to get change yeah absolutely yeah so um we saw this week um oh sorry were you gonna ask something now no no go for it yeah i was just gonna say that we saw this week about the the um, apology um from wales um so you know assuming that um you've got some, something to say on that. I don't know why I said it like that. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's you're it's, on fire. Scott. I know I am. I'm, I'm, they're you, just blowing out tonight. Today's um, on the call phone. They need you to stand in tomorrow. I, we've got. <laughs> we've now got fifty percent of of the nations um, who've apologised for you know the historical kind of issues with adoption and you Has know Northern but, Ireland apologised. I don't think so. Question. I don't. I don't know. No. No. the situation there with the government and yeah or the lack of one the lack of one yeah um <laughs> again um yeah um so i mean where do you see that heading next do you, do you see that heading to england because it's been on the agenda hasn't it um do you think that'll ever happen or is it just some one of those things it's that's just going to get they did they did put out a sort of statement mm-hmm. um which which was not well received i think um so i don't I I feel that there might be a sense that I don't I don't know I can't can't speak for the the, no, the government there but I was at the not the official apology this week um but I was at the the meeting where the deputy minister in in Wales made her own personal apology it was really moving mm. it was at um an event that we we'd organised the the big adoption conversation which is yeah. a, a big event in Wales where everyone talks about all the different aspects of adoption and hearing. Hearing that was really, you know, really, I felt kind of privileged to be able to to hear that, and it, I think it was a really important moment. And um, I don't think it can ever um, make up for what happened um, yeah. for, to either birth parents or first parents or or um, the the people who were affected as babies and who were now adults. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think it was right that that the government government in wales have apologized and in scotland and we've called for it to happen in the uk government as well mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Can, can i ask that because i think it's a, it is a, i think it's overdue but i think it, from adoption uk's point of view uh, people may be looking and go you're a membership organization or charity and um, which only dawned on me this week which is a bit uh, it's not like i live you know was best friends with scott for five years who worked for you um just shows and how I'm, much you listened, didn't it? Well, <laughs> were you in charge of the membership, Scott? In fact? No, I wasn't. Oh, no, you weren't. Okay. Right, okay. um, <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> heavens. Um, Otherwise, I would make it 10 times worse if I had been. Yeah. <laughs> Kiss of death. Um, and it just made me think that actually, externally, a lot. I think that's one of the issues for adult adoptees or, is that it's, an organi- it's a membership organisation for adopted adopters. And so that feels like that... The re- reconciling that we're saying, hey, we think you need to apologise for adoption. Mm. Um, we we group of adopters, and it's kind of you go. Oh, there's a slight disconnect there that we're maybe not getting. Is that is that is that complicated, or am I just making it complicated? I think that um, 
there's there's some some people would have the view that adoption's never never something that should happen um and mm. i think if you're of that view then then you're not going to be um very yep. positive towards an organization called adoption uk um yeah. i think though that Ado- I do think adoption's changed and that is changing from from the sort of sixties. You know, adoption now is about um, trying to find a permanent and uh, a sort of a place where um, a child who can't live with their birth family can have a, a a good chance in life and with the right support that can be the right thing for some children. And so, uh, you know, yes, we're a membership organisation for mm. adopters, but we also do, um, we provide services that are funded separately from our membership. So things like the young people services that we provide, um, you know, so a membership is 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 an aspect of what we do, but it's not the whole of what we do. And we're also, we've launched a, a membership for adopted people, um, which is about peer support. It's about, um, you know, bringing, creating space for adopted people that's that's created by adopted people. Um, mm. Because I don't think we, we, I don't think we're not an organisation which is there to sort of promote adoption. It, we're an organisation which is campaigning for support for adopted people in childhood and, and in adulthood, and and that's always what we've been about. Really, we're not we're not sort of an adoption agency in that way. We're we're mm. we're about coming together and saying we need to connect people and we need to support people and we need to mm. change the system. Do you think because you, you sort of you gave out your three tenants um, of your sort of your three priorities? Um, do you think that ever there would ever be a fourth? <coughs> excuse me. Cool. Apologize. Um, cool. Um, there would ever be a fourth um, sort of tenant where I think that I look at adoption. I, I feel quite complex, complicated about it as an adopted parent of six children. And I think that the changes that I would hope are in relation to things like um, identity, severance of relationship, both in legal terms and in practical physical terms is that ever going to be something that you would consider to be part of your agenda because i think that i've been in rooms with them birth parents and adopted people adult adoptees and they've said we all understand that there are times when children should never ever live with birth family and that there are times when children there is no one in that family or community who can care for them or shouldn't care for them but there remains this ire that actually we've moved to a place now where that severance is is the kind of the is the crux of the issue really that, that do you think that we'll ever do adopting uk would ever pick up that as an issue and try and lobby for an alternative that was a really long question wasn't it it was more of a statement mm, a really interesting question as well um i think adoption has changed and i think adoption is still changing and i think <laughs> um things like uh, identity are really important and and i think things like letterbox contacts need to change um we need to have a uh we need to listen to to people who've experienced growing up being adopted to understand the importance the impact of not not understanding your identity and background and and not you know the fact that people can't get access to their records all of these things need to change and i think so i think there's a, there's a lot in what you said and, and there's a lot that needs to change and i think we need to have really good training preparation for adopters to make sure that um and and we need to we need to change the system to 
get the right support in place for really good maintainers, maintaining links with with family where it's safe and and, and can happen. Um, so I think I think it it needs to continue to change, and I think yeah. I think we we want to be involved in that that conversation. Yeah, because I, I am conscious that you know you're not as a membership organisation, your members want you to make the support better. And I get that. That's, yeah. There's a really strong voice of this needs to be more effective, more available, uh, you know, more appropriate. Um, but that and actually, and get, that, you know, going back to the beginning of what we said, the 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 report that you mentioned, you know, that I've been really struck by families I've spoken to, people I've spoken to who who are just, you know, they're dealing with really really difficult circumstances because mm. of the impact of trauma. And that's difficult for the child. It's difficult for the family, siblings. Um, that support is so needed. Mm. Um, so yeah, that it's really important that that's what we're campaigning for. But but I think we also we there are other things that we need to to mm. to push for as well. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's just it's what your priorities are, isn't it? You need to yeah. yeah. But I'm sure, you, well, you've got them. So I, I have to say, I've, I find it difficult to come up with questions. And the reason I find it difficult to come up with questions is because of my history with Adoption UK. And it just, yeah. you know, I my memory, how it works, I'm thinking, oh, well, you used to do that. Should I ask? No, I won't. So that's why. Is this where they still keep the staplers? No, I know, because I know they've moved offices. <laughs> I know you've moved offices. And I know where you've moved to as well, actually. But um, yeah. Um, Have you? Sorry, right. I'm not not going to send anything through the post. You're all right. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> Good grief. Um, but no, it's just, it's, it's kind of just reminding myself that, you know, this that, that's history. And, um, you know. Let it go, Scott. You, your exactly. therapist said exactly. you had to yeah. let it go. <laughs> Well, it was HR that told me to do that. But anyway, um, so, so what's <laughs> what's um, what's the kind of um, what's Emily's priority for Adoption UK? Not just in terms of you know um, all the stuff that we've talked about, but what what is by the end of the by the time you get to the end of your time at Adoption UK, whether that's in five years, ten years, what's your priority? What is the change that you want to make within the the adoption sector? I guess. If you could wave a magic wand and given you've been doing the job for six months only, <laughs> so you're still new. I'd, I'd like to see us having made a significant impact in terms of the availability of adoption support. I think probably that would be the top thing. So probably it, it might be around the future of the adoption support fund, what that looks like, mm. um, how that's built on. I think that probably in terms of the external facing thing, that that and or am allowed to um that we've changed um the way the conversation around education and care experience children and trying to think about you know there's quite a lot of rights and um things that you get if you're a looked after child in the education system and expanding that to children with care experience so that adopted children get those rights too Mm -hmm. um so in terms of lobbying that and then in terms of internally I, i really want adoption uk to be a great place to work um, for everyone who works there and that people feel really part of a team one team and that they they are all passionate about what they do and they they're really proud of working for adoption uk because of the impact that we have for families as well mm. so mm. Oh, that's nice. yeah, I like that. yeah. I, i'm interested about the adoption support fund comment because i think that that is a really i think there's a lot of families who've grown up in it or have 
being adopted into a world where adoption support fund is just there. And it's not just there, is it? And I think that, it, yeah, with the change of government and then a spending review, it might disappear. Um, I think there's, so, I think there's, don't want to worry people, but, um, you know, I think that's, that's something we really need to push for to maintain, but also, you know, to try and, you know, we know it's not perfect as well, you know, there's <clears> lots of, hurdles yeah. people have to go through and there's a really good report that adoption uh, uk worked on um around uh the um sort of needs for it uh you know uh, things like um the fact that you have to reapply for it if yeah. it goes mm -hmm. over the end of the financial year things like that that just make it harder for families to get the help they need so yeah yeah yeah, but, yeah. it's always yeah. it's always been a hot potato that one hasn't it because it's never it's great to have and you know i'm from a family of um, I'm from a family that is down the middle 50-50 on the use of the ASF. Um, we can't use it now, obviously, because we don't live there. But when we could, <clears throat> my older two children, it wasn't the done thing to look into therapy and, and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So they've grown up just getting on with it. And then child number three was, was one when the ASF was, you know, it was within the year he was placed, the ASF came along. So for him, therapy and that that's all there for him so it's very you know there's kind of i guess there's two two lots of um ways of doing it but for it to disappear entirely would just be you know a travesty because we know that you know a lot of agencies have skilled themselves up in terms of the support that they provide internally and they've used asf to do that and that's great um but it's still a bit of a postcode lottery in terms of what support is available and and you know th th that's the issue isn't it it's not about the fact that these agencies haven't skilled themselves up and haven't used the money wisely it's about who's used what for what and where it's available so yeah, yeah and actually just, you know adoption support funds not available if you're not in england so exactly, for wales yeah. and scotland it's it's a completely different system yeah mm. and northern mm. ireland yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah i mean we could talk it so the cows come on about adoption spot fund because I think that there's there's real dangers that we just because if we create so much negative press about what needs to change, then the treasury will then go well. It's not working, so why bother? Exactly, as well. kind of yeah, um, yeah. We don't want to, and to do that. I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying you are doing that at all, but I just think that actually we need to. Uh, I I think it was the maybe the second spending review, and there was this conversation a year out going. Actually, we need to make the case really clear why this continues um as opposed to just going oh it needs to be a bit more this and we need more money the the treasury need to look after our money so they need to have a really justifiable case for continuing it so let's add that to your inbox um, <laughs> your to-do list yeah and, and and scott left a pair of skis uh, somewhere in the office and he's just been desperate <laughs> to find them and if you come across them, skis. Uh, skis. we sold them on eBay, Joe Scott. Sorry. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. I've not been on a set of skis since I was about 12 years old. So, how I would have left them at Adoption UK's offices, I do not know. Oh, I, I, did, I do think I left a mug there. So, so you know, but anyway, it, it, it was a bit of a rude one. So, I won't be looking for that back. Yeah, I can't, can't do that. <laughs> yes, probably Emily's now. It's probably, <laughs> this is your new mug. You've got. Um, and an empty packet of corn cocktail crisps. <laughs> yeah, yes, I know. I love. Classic. I do. Yeah, I do enjoy a, a nice packet of prawn cocktail crisps. Yeah, a little uh, bird told me that. Yeah, excellent, Emily. We've asked a lot of questions and we've talked about a lot of stuff. Is there anything that you were hoping we would ask you because you wanted to say? It? Um, 
Good. That's a really good question. I think I wanted to um, talk about, we've now got um, a, a sort of new thing, which I think is really interesting part of what we do. So we, we've got a sort of psychology and therapy hub within AUK, which I think is is oh. is a bit of a change um, building on our sort of TESA um, support that we that we have been delivering in, in across the UK and, and that's now called Pathways. Um, so that, that's a kind of an exciting sort of element of what we're doing and trying to think about what that will mean for the different aspects of what we do and how I think there's a potential for quite an exciting combination there of kind of psychological sort of therapeutic um, professional kind of focus and then a kind of peer support focus because I think something that we do really well is peer support where you've got um, sort of yeah. an adopter supporting an adopter or an adopted person supporting an adopted person who could, could get get it um, mm. but bringing in that sort of professional view too. I think there's a really interesting combination of seeing it from different people's perspectives that I'm hoping that we can build on. Mm. Um, and the other the exciting thing we're doing is the FASD Hub UK. So i um, excited that we can hang out with FASD Island and, and think about, um, uh, you know, promoting um, understanding of FASD, which is more prevalent than the conditions like autism and um, ADHD, but really not known about. So you guys mm. are doing a great job of, about promoting that, but we're we're excited to sort of see where that goes as well. Yeah, it does seem like it's. Um, I mean, for me anyway, you know, obviously running a, an organisation related to FASD, it's um, it's it's another thing on top of something else, but it's it's very different in Ireland, given you know. The history and stuff like that but um it's great to see you know that there's, there's support there available in, in the uk um i do wonder i mean can i ask you about that then so um and this isn't me wanting any inside at all <laughs> but i because I, I was there when the, the hub was first set up um and what was very clear from the beginning was it wasn't just adoptive families that that needed that support and you know that's certainly our experience um so you know do you do you feel like that's something that's um a long-term thing for adoption uk to keep to keep going with or do you think that it's something that in time you know you may have to think about is FASD Hub UK a separate entity to Adoption UK because you know we know there's a little bit of a kind of stigma attached to the adoption piece do you think that's the case or do you think it would just you know it's just something that you're just going to continue on with I hope it's something we'll continue to do because there's such need for it um, mm. and actually we we also in Scotland we're providing a kinship care advice service so yeah. it's not the only thing that we do that's not just adoption so I yeah. think yeah um, and you know the boundaries aren't always that clear, are they? So, you know, I've spoken to adopters who are also kinship carers of mm -hmm. grandchildren um, uh, or potentially even sort of birth family because their children have had their children yeah. um, taken <clears throat> into care. So, you know, recognize, and, and recognising as, as I've kind of come back to before that children um, with care experience um, have, can have similar needs in lots of different settings like um, yeah. you know somebody could have FASD in in a birth family or or um in kinship care arrangements or an adoptive family so mm. yeah I think it yeah. I, I hopefully it's something that we will continue to focus yeah. on. I just see it getting big and big do you know what I mean like yeah. it's, <laughs> it's almost one of those um kind of things that is just you know growing legs everywhere yeah. isn't it you know we're seeing so much more maybe I'm seeing more of it because I'm working it I don't know you know I don't know. I'm just uh, yeah. I'm just reflecting that that's the same yeah. same here. But um, yeah. But I think it's one of those things that just hasn't there hasn't been the awareness before, and and that's yeah. growing now, which is a good mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. 
Um, well, we're on the hour, Emily. You've uh, you've <gasps> you've survived the hour. Time is up. Uh, well, oh no, got... no, time's not up. I mean, we could chat for ages. Oh, we can we've only paid. Going. We're only paying you for an hour, so <laughs> yeah, you're paying me. <laughs> no, we're not paying you. <laughs> I take that back. I take that back. <laughs> we will pay you in good publicity and nice yes, words on exactly. the internet. Yeah, yeah, just that. Always. Um, Lovely. Always, yeah, and we and we won't tag you in the post about the podcast. That that's how we'll pay you by not putting <laughs> your personal Twitter feed on. Um, I think that's fair. Uh, that is fair. Um, Emily, it's been fantastic to chat to you, and I think that um, I, I really do. I, I kind of admire your pluck um, in the sense that it feels like a, it's not the job I would have taken at this moment. A job in kinship, yeah, every the, the society, but I think it, you've got a real determination. But I think you've got you know you I think you've got the skills, and I'm sure you. Do a great job, and I'm sure but our paths will cross. I think you know, adopt adoptive people, adopters need need people to like to to be campaigning more than ever. I think yeah. now. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, and we will probably speak to you again at some point. You know, I, I hope so. This isn't just a one one thing. One one thing in your career, kind of thing. You'll have us more than once, I'm sure. Yeah, you need your um, your annual appraisal and your um, <laughs> my report card. Yeah, exactly. Report card. You can bring your mum oh, and dad dear. in. That would be great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're not even joking. Um, so Emily, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you coming out and uh, coming out of an evening as well, and, uh, yeah. and sort of putting yourself in front of us with no real kind of. We didn't give you any questions beforehand, so there was no no collusion, and um, yeah. just being game really and willing to answer our questions. So much appreciated. Thank you, and for ribbing us as well. Well done. You get extra <laughs> yeah. points for that one. Yeah, you do. Do yeah. got to push back. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.